0: Let us hear God's word. Today's Bible text is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 to 6, but I will read the whole passage from verse 3 to 14. Please take a moment to open your Bibles. You can find it on page 1159 in our pew Bible. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he breath- and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. May the Lord bless his word. there was a large multinational private company. And during their anniversary celebration, the chairman suddenly announced that his beloved daughter was getting married and that his son-in-law would take over as chairman. Everyone was whispering and speculating about who this person could be. Then the daughter introduced a young man, who had joined the company for only a couple of years, and seemed very normal, and without any outstanding talent. From their face expressions, everyone was envious, jealous, and even resentful, thinking to themselves, how could he, this person become the chairman's successor. But there was nothing that they could do because the chairman's daughter simply liked him. If you've ever felt the same as the employees of that company, I completely understand because it is ingrained in our human nature. But do you know that The gospel can be more enviable, more jealousy-inducing, and even more hated by many people than in that story. People who don't understand it might say, how can the God who created the whole universe and rules over everything actually choose those foolish, those weak, and those spiritually poor people as his children? that the God who is holy and just can actually give his eternal inheritance to people without considering their merit? They would say it is illogical, unbelievable, and absurd. Indeed, this is true. God's election and predestination is not understandable by human logic but by God's logic alone. According to the John Stott, if it weren't for God's revelations to us humans through the Bible, we could not even hope to imagine it using our logic and human methods. Paul received revelation from God and wrote this great letter, the book of Ephesians. In this passage of Scripture, he lets us know that God's love for us through election is something that we cannot fully comprehend. And we must simply submit to his revelation. According to the original text, Ephesians chapter 1, 3 to 14 is a long sentence without any interruptions. Analyzing the structure of this passage, the third verse serves as a summary of the paragraph and is the main point of the entire sentence. It mentions how Paul praises God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, describing what kind of Father God is. He is the one who in Christ bestows upon us all kind of spiritual blessings from heaven. Then, starting from verse 4, it explains what these spiritual blessings that God has given us include. Verses 4 to 6, which is today's Bible text, talk about the blessings of God's election. Verses 7 to 10 discuss the blessings of redemption through the Lord Jesus Christ. And verses 11-14 highlight the blessings of obtaining an inheritance through the Holy Spirit. The whole sentence begins with praise to God and it ends with God's glorification. It mentions what has happened from before the foundation of the world to what will happen at the end time. It is so grand, rich, and awe-inspiring, like a breathtaking journey that makes us marvel at the wonders of our Creator. And today, we will be looking at verses 4 to 6 about God's chosen love, teaching us that even though we are so frail, we are so weak, and we are so covered in sin, God had already loved us before the creation of the world and chose us become his children for eternity. By knowing this truth, we should be more humble, grateful, and be willing to offer thanks and praise to him. There is much to say in this short passage, but I will concentrate on a few main points that are the fact of election, the purpose of election, the result of election, and the ultimate goal of election. Let's look into them in detail. First, the fact of election. Verse 4 says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. This verse clearly says the time of the election is before the creation of the world. In other words, even before the world was created, God has already chosen us to become his people. You might wonder how exactly that it, did it happen. How did God choose us In Christ, before the world was formed, our limited minds find it hard to fathom. But that doesn't mean we cannot have any clue about this truth at all. In fact, whenever we human undertake a project, whether it is building a house, starting a business, or learning a new skill, We always need a blueprint and um, at least a plan. Then we follow it step by step to achieve it. As a former software engineer, when we develop any programs, we needed to plan first and determine the functions and features based on the requirements of the program. Then we started coding module by module according to the design, and then put everything together to realize the entire plan. We humans have the ability to do so, let alone God who has created us according to His own image. Therefore, God, the triune God, has a plan for everything before it happens. But God is different from humans. Humans can make mistakes, and we must continuously adjust our plans. But God has perfect wisdom, using his almightiness and omniscience to plan and implement everything. Although he knew that the bright morning star would rebel and become Satan, Although he knew that Adam and Eve would sin, and although he knew that humans would continually fail and fall, he still created the entire world and created humans. Why? It is because he wanted to choose a group of people from the world to become his people. In Jesus Christ. This is what Paul means in this passage, and it is the meaning of the Greek word of church, ecclesia, which is a group of people chosen and called out by God. And actually, when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, he had church. In his mind at all times. In the first three chapters, Paul spent a significant amount of time explaining from a deep theological perspective how God chose his people in eternity, and how through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, and how each one of us, whether Jewish or Gentile, can become a new community that is the kingdom, the family, and the temple of God forming the church. Then in chapters 4 to 6, Paul begins to teach us how as members of the church we should live a life that pleases God on earth. These include how we should be united and build up the body of Christ together, how we should shine and as children of light in our daily lives, how to live harmonious relationships within our families, and how to overcome the devil in spiritual warfare, among other things. But all these things happen as a result of having been chosen by God even before the foundation. Of the world. Therefore, the reason that we can be part of the church and come together and worship God tonight is due to God's eternal plan. When I consider this, I feel so loved, so grateful, and incredibly privileged. In many aspects, the Tiananmen Square incident is not a positive event. However, due to this event, my wife's sister was able to stay in Australia. And as a result, my wife could come as the last member of her family. If I wasn't a colleague of Suzanne's in, in China, I would not have come to Australia. And if I had not come to Australia, I would not have believed in the Lord. If I had not believed in the Lord, I would not become a pastor and I would not be preaching tonight. Brothers and sisters, when you look back to your life, even though you're not always easily noticeable, it is God who has been leading you step by step and making you become the person you are today. You can sit here and worship God and hear the gospel tonight. It is all part of God's eternal plan. We need to thank Him, praise Him, and serve Him with all our heart, our mind and our souls. However, if some of you think you haven't fully believed in the Lord, but you are here tonight, listen to the Gospel. It is the work of the Holy Spirit who is leading you to seek His truth. I encourage you to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to accept Jesus as your Savior. Then you would know that You are also the blessed and the chosen one as well. The second point we are going to talk about is the purpose of God's election, which is to make us holy. Paul says in verse 4 God chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. And blameless before Him. God chose us in Him where in Him refers Jesus Christ. If you read the passage of verses 3 to 14 carefully, you will notice that the phrases in Him, in Christ, through Him, through Christ appear more than 10 times in this sentence. It indicates that in Paul's mind, everything revolves around Christ. As chapter 1 verse 10 says, He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. That is to say, only through the redemption of Jesus Christ can we be saved from our sins and be presented before God without faults and blemishes. In other words, when we trust in Jesus and God sees his work done on the cross, God remembers our sins no more. By the blood of Jesus Christ, all our iniquities, our transgressions, our shame, our guilt has been cleansed from the past the present, and in the future. As a result, we have been declared righteous, setting apart from the world. That is so-called the objective holiness, one of the results of God's election for us. However, other than the objective holiness, God's election also demands us to have practical holiness. As 1 Peter 1, 14-16 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy." Paul also exhorts us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, to offer our body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, as it is our spiritual worship. Therefore, if we have been elected to become God's people, we must strive to follow Jesus and learn from his holiness if we do not do so we will be questioned about the truthfulness of our conversion in other words our holiness is a good test for our election harold okenga one of the most influential evangelical leaders in the 20th century. The founder of Fuller Seminary said the following, quote, If God has elected us, he has not elected us to remain sinners, but to become holy. It is an error to speak of the elect living in sin. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Therefore, the test of our election is the holiness of our lives." Therefore, if a person knows that Jesus teaches us to forgive others, but he thinks only of hatred, in his heart and is determined not to forgive he may not be a true believer if a person is always thinking about how to satisfy themselves with material possessions with hearts full of desire for worldly things they may not be a true Christian. if a person's mind is Is constantly filled with sinful imaginary, with the belief that these thoughts are acceptable because he thinks of Jesus' willingness to forgive. They may not be a true question. Brothers and sisters, God chooses us for a special purpose to make us holy and to help us grow in our faith. Therefore, when we truly believe in the Lord, we will become more aware of our sins. Whether we break God's rules, whether it be lying, cheating, stealing, the Holy Spirit will not so easily let us off the hook. Until we deal with our wrongdoings according to God's way, we will not find true peace in our hearts. Brothers and sisters, if we are honest and acknowledge that our human hearts are prone to eager, jealousy, hatred, greed, and lust, we should be asking ourselves, are we dealing with these sins seriously? How do we handle these issues in our lives? Despite being a Christian for several years, I still struggled to control my anger in some situations, especially towards my family members. I feel deep regret every time I lose my temper. On one such occasion, during a discussion with my wife, I felt myself losing control and began raising my voice. But at that moment, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the Bible verses. Bestow to anger. Love is patience. Love is kind. Love is not easily angered. And the Holy Spirit questioned me. Do you love your wife? Do you care about her? If you do, how should you treat her? Then I paused, took a deep breath, and responded to her with a completely different tone and attitude. Amazingly, it changed the entire course of the conversation and we were able to come up an agreement. In that instance, I experienced the power of God's word and the Holy Spirit in my early stage after I become a Christian. Brothers and sisters, I'm certain that if you are in Christ, you would also have similar experiences when dealing with sin. It is the process of sanctification. Although it is a painful process, it is the will of God. When we seriously deal with our sins one by one, we will continue to grow in holiness with the power of the Holy Spirit. As a result, our transformed lives will prove that God has chosen us. As in Romans chapter 8.14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. When we mention children of God, it naturally comes down to the third point, the result of God's election. Verse 5 tells us that the result of God's election is that we become God's children. It read, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Here, Paul uses the word predestined to again highlight God's sovereign choice and plan to adopt us as His children through Jesus Christ. Paul also mentioned that God did this because He loves us and according to His plan. This shows us so that God's choice to adopt us was not based on our efforts or how good we are, but because, because of his love and mercy. The result of God's eternal plan is that we become his children. What does that mean? It means that we have the heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us at all times In all circumstances. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Paul also says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Although we don't know what will happen tomorrow. We do know the one who holds the future. Our eternal God, our mighty Savior, and our loving Father is in control of everything. Therefore, no matter what happens in our lives, happy or sad, good or bad, health or sickness, it is part of God's eternal plan for us and remember that his plan is always good as in everything he works for the good of those who love him according to Romans chapter 8 verse 28 but the definition of good here is not necessarily something that is comfortable easy or brings worldly success the good that Paul means here is explained in the following verse in Romans. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. In other words, God might use the messy, the confusing, the hard, the painful to transform us more into the image of His Son. Fanny Crosby, a famous hymn writer in the 19th century, wrote more than 8,000 hymns that touched many people's lives. Despite being blind throughout her life, she thanked God for her condition, believing it was part of his plan. She said, If perfect earthly sights were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. It is because I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me. The testimony of Crosby shows that even with hardship, pain and challenges, God can still use us to do great things and bring blessings to others. Therefore, regardless of the circumstances we face, we should place our full trust in our Heavenly Father. He will provide us with the strength and grace to overcome challenges, and His perfect purpose will be fulfilled in our lives. And finally, verse 6 tells us that to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. This passage speaks of God choosing us with the goal of making his glorious grace praised. It is true that God's purpose in choosing us, is to make us holy. It is true that through the sanctification process, as we continuously strive for being the likeness of Jesus Christ, we are blessed through it. However, God's ultimate goal in His election for us is to glorify His name and to make His glorious grace praised. This is also what the Catechism teaches us, that the chief purpose of humans is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We know that all created things have a purpose. A water kettle is made to boil water. A car is made for transportation. And a house is made for dwelling. Similarly, As human beings, we are created with a purpose, and that purpose is to bring glory to our Creator. And Jesus, during his time on earth, demonstrated this by always glorifying God in all that he did. As his followers, it is our calling to follow in his footsteps. Paul also reminds us in his letter to the Corinthians that we are ambassadors of Christ and whatever we do, we should do it all to bring glory to God. Brothers and sisters, are you aware that everything we say or everything we do, we represent our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, our conduct in the relationships around us matters. Our actions and attitude should reflect the character of our Lord. We need to often reflect and ask ourselves, do I treat my family members with love, kindness and forgiveness? Or treat them with harsh words, anger, or judgment? Am I patient and understanding with my co-workers? Or am I harboring bitterness and hostility? Do I seek reconciliation and unite with my fellow believers? Or we cause division and strife? It is a challenge that we all face. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can continually grow in reflecting Christ's love and character. When we do so, through our lives, others can see the goodness and grace of our Lord and ultimately the name of God Can be glorified. This is the ultimate goal of God's election for us. Here are some takeaway points. We know that God has chosen us in Christ before the creation of the world. We know that His election for us has a purpose which requires us to live a holy life. We know that the result of God's election is to make us into his children. And also we know that the ultimate goal of election is to bring glory to his holy name. God's election of us is based on his sovereignty and eternal will when we correctly understand this great doctrine, we become more grateful, delightful, and thankful. By God's grace, we should strive to pursue holiness, love, and service, and live a life that pleases God. By doing so, His name can be glorified and His glorious grace can be praised let us pray.